0: You're listening to K&J Recaps. Welcome back to K&J Recaps. We're here recapping Westworld Season 2, Episode 5. Akani no Mai." I am Jess. I am Kim. Kim, so the official halfway point of this 10-episode season. Uh, we have reached
1: with Episode 5 and the true introduction of Shogun World. I know. I'm so excited. I really loved this episode. Yeah. I know that there have been a few sort of like mixed reactions in terms of the driving the story and this feeling a little bit like a bottle episode out of nowhere or whatever, but like, I don't care. I loved it. I thought it was amazing. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And honestly, I can't believe we've only watched five episodes. It feels like there has been so much given to us and... um you know, I I recognize that, you know, not every episode is going to be for everyone, but, uh, but this one was right up my alley. I really, really loved it. So, um, and I thought we got a really, a lot of cool stuff out of it too.
0: Totally. And I think, um, you know, I saw a great, Uh, analogy it's not mine um on reddit about you know the reaction to people liking this or not liking this episode and that these are the episodes that will stand the test of time and you know we're all so hungry to figure out what the hell is going on right now that you know i think we really cling to episodes like last episode where we get like backstory and at least some you know explanation as to what's going on what delos is etc um But once you know that exposition, when you go back to rewatch, that doesn't have the same power that it used to have, right? So then you need to rely on something else. Like the show has to have more than just, you know, flashy exposition and mystery to it to hold itself up exactly
1: I really do feel like the the um you know further to the um comments that we were reading earlier Jess that you pointed me to is like these are the types of episodes that some people might find quote-unquote boring but ultimately this is where the stakes are laid you know like and the, the big action-packed sequences are less impactful if we don't have this kind of episode that makes us care about the characters at new levels. Um, and then also we did get a lot of really cool new stuff. Um, For sure. Maeve can control host with her mind. That's not nothing. <laughs> Tiny detail. That we yeah. need to talk about. <laughs> Whatever. Um, But yeah, I did. I thought that it was incredibly cool. I did really love that they did it all in Japanese. Yes. Um, And they didn't have the... the host switching to English. You know, there was a a remark made by size more about the reason why he could tell that, that the, um, the park was no longer operating according to its proper programming is because they didn't switch to English. I love that they didn't do that. And then also that gave us a really interesting discussion point about, you know, language and, Mm uh, and the impact that that has on Maeve's ability to control hosts. So, You know, lots of little tidbits in there that we're going to talk about. I'm really excited.
0: Me too. So we're going to dive into the recap. But Kim, you had a note about something from our last episode that you wanted to raise.
1: I know, you guys. Oh, my God. My nose are just so scattered, and, like, I, I have a hard time getting to everything that I, that I want to mention. So I'm not sure if this is something that people have already picked up. I was very excited to have made this note last, uh, last week and then <laughs> forgot to say it. But, um, yeah, it might be somewhat obvious, but even still, here it goes. Um, so when uh, Elsie was looking at the data on a tablet when they were inside the cave, before they went in and found, um, the Jim Delos host. Uh, and she, you know, she shows it to Bernard and he says that this looks very similar to the type of data that was on the, um, Peter Abernathy Mm -hmm. host. Yeah. So when you look at that tablet, it shows passenger key. That's the, that is what it says at the top of the tablet. And, um, Just like so not a huge revelation, but the finale episode of this season is called Passenger. Um, And I also think that uh, it's pretty fitting to have uh, data that ultimately is some kind of uh, consciousness that can be uploaded into a host or the ability to, you know, to awaken Uh, consciousness that are in hosts or whatever to have it be called a passenger um, really fits. So not a new theory, but just sort of confirmation of some of the discussions that we've already had.
0: Yeah, no, that is, that's a really good point. And also like we know, like I think the connection of Peter Abernathy and trying to get on the train and like, um, you know, our hosts and how they would leave the park and it being as passengers on the train is also important there. Like, um Mm. you know that's what he's like trying to fight for to do we know that the hosts are supposed to have some sort of self-destruct mechanism in them if they leave the park we learned that in season one but of course we also know hosts can successfully leave the park as we saw in this season that can clearly either be removed or deactivated um and so if our you know hosts just like blend in as passengers and are becoming passengers to get the information out of the park and if then they could con- like continue with their lives, a la Teddy, um, you know, just go about <laughs> their stories and not bother anybody, uh, you know, what are the implications for that? So that's really interesting. And I'm, and I'm interested by – I hadn't seen that that was the, the, the title of the finale. And does that yeah. mean that our hosts are finally even – like for me, I think of the more literal
1: interpretation too of – Them. So interesting. Like that really didn't even cross my mind, but that is a great point too. For me, it really made me think of host, not in the sense that you kind of automatically go to, where it's like a host that are hosting guests in the park, but a host as like a passenger or like a parasite would inhabit a host. And so, like this consciousness being a passenger that will, you know, essentially like. Infect the host, if you will, and then, um, I don't know, there's like there's discussions, of course, of kind of like virus and infections, uh, which I think are somewhat interconnected but not like specifically related to this, you know, passenger. Um, but I
0: think that is like, you know, language is really important here, that's a great point, too, mm-hmm. and and not to go too deep, you know, down this well, but it definitely. Uh, the fa- the the very specifically chosen term of host, um, yeah. yeah, clearly has many more implications now that we're past the season one interpretation of it being, yeah,
1: exactly, like hosts you know, and the, guests, the and, Imagineers of Disney World, yeah. Right. And then the the other thing that I was thinking um, to kind of finish my uh, scattered thoughts about this whole thing that I've been pondering all week is just like in this new, the new opening credits that we have for this season, we have like black liquid, like a virus that is kind of spreading. And once you when you see that black liquid in the um, opening credits kind of like spread out to what it ends up looking like it looks relatively similar to this kind of like circular type of data that right. was on the tablet itself so um i don't know just uh just food for thought kind of further to our um <laughs> throw that you know there. grand theory of it yeah. all about the the hosts being taken over by human consciousness etc uh it's i don't know just more to think about
0: I'm like uh, we're gonna get this figured out by you know <laughs> episode eleven, the whole thing will have become clear. That's right so.
1: when they tell us exactly what happens, <laughs> then we will understand it. Exactly. I feel like not before. Uh, um, I could let, and once but,
0: again, I can completely understand those of my friends who just wait until the entire season's over and then book ten hours plus off and sit down and watch it because it is like, I mean, I love doing completely. it this way slowly and excruciatingly <laughs> figuring things out <laughs> but man that instant gratification must feel good to just be like oh i wonder what this means press play on the next episode and figure <laughs>
1: that's, <it> out. <laughs> that's right oh that's exactly what i mean thank you <laughs> yeah,
0: that's right. i don't mean, have to go think about this for seven days so uh yeah. we are not obviously doing it that way we are going to go through um This episode, and to begin with that, just a quick recap on what we had. We had kind of three specific plot lines in this. We had our quote-unquote present timeline, our most current timeline. We reunited with Strand and that uh, QA team who were bringing the bodies back from that flooded valley to the Mesa. They're still looking for Peter Abernathy. And here we find out, we're definitely going to talk about this, that one-third of the hosts have blank control units that are, it's like they're virgin and have never held data to begin with. Um, and we also find out that the cradle with host backups has been destroyed, which um, is interpreted as one third of the park's IP has been lost without those backups. And Arnold slash Bernard Bernardold <laughs> um, <laughs> continues to have that quizzical look and doesn't really say anything uh, in Shogun world, which is absolutely Kim, as you're saying, an absolute, you know, just the way they handled it. And um you know just aside that that moment when they come into the town you know and start realizing that their storylines are there too is just with the music painted black you know
1: done kind of like ancient japanese style is
0: i know i just like i
1: fucking loved it so much because i'm like as it was happening i was like wait a second Wait a second. <laughs> like, I know this. This is really familiar. I know this song. The The throwing of the rope. Um, Of course, exactly. it became really obvious when Armistice's uh, counterpart <laughs> takes her hat off and we see the dragon tattoo. Dead giveaway. Also, Armistice saying, they're us. <laughs> exactly.
0: And our three characters, how you either trust... You know, you would completely connect, completely distrust, or are completely enthralled with your counterpart. You know, like the two Armistice characters just staring at each other was, was I know. awesome. Uh, so in that, of course, Maeve and the others are captured. They're brought into town. Um, the hosts go off script during that heist. Uh, Maeve's group ends up in battle with the Shogun and his army in an effort to save Sakura, who is a geisha and basically a daughter character to a. a Akina? Kane. Akane, thank you. Um, And Maeve is able to, like Kim mentioned, um, <laughs> there's like a closed captioning that was like, oh, shoot. I even saw it also on Reddit, but it is funny when you see it because I watch with closed captioning and it was like, you know, non-verbally commands in japanese when she gets that like fighter (laughs) to like impale the ninja to impale himself um so she is able to command the hosts non-verbally and ultimately uses that to command the army to slaughter each other and then dolores and teddy arrive in sweetwater uh dolores is looking to get the train to get her father back angela confirms that the men who took him are also going to the mesa Um, Clementine, the new Clementine is there, uh, which is really sad for lobotomized slash zombie Clementine, who recognizes Mm -hmm. herself. And then there's this, like, uh, Dolores Teddy moment uh, that we're definitely going to talk about um, between them, which ultimately results in Dolores instructing the tech that she kidnapped to, like, override Teddy's character and his core heuristics. But, um... Let's let's talk about that one more, too. Uh, so yeah. those are kind of the three main lot, lot, plots, most of which is Shogun World, which takes up the bulk of the episode. Yeah. Um, so, Kim, why don't we start with, like, the biggest, in terms of reveals and probably implications, at least immediately, this non-verbal command that Maeve, you know, is able
1: to access over everybody. Like... Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, like, my my immediate thought is that somehow Maeve is tapping into the Mesh Network, which we did not know was a thing in Season 1. Right. But now knowing that there is a invisible network that allows the hosts to unconsciously communicate with each other uh i feel like that makes the most sense that she is somehow able to tap into that to give her commands how she was able to tap into it i have no idea um
0: and it does seem to take like she has she's basically almost she's being choked right um
1: is when we first see
0: her able to use the command
1: I thought that that was the case um, and so it was just on the rewatch that I had the additional question uh, so w- what are the limitations of this, um, of this ability because if you remember that Hector and Maeve are sitting outside waiting for like darkness to fall so that they can escape with uh, Akane and the others um, under the cover of darkness and then Maeve gets these flashes of the ninjas approaching so they have not attacked her yet she has not been you know choked out or threatened for her life just yet Um, but she is able to somehow sense the ninjas coming she seems to be getting like flashes of them and then is able to duck out of the way just as a dart would have hit her in the head and then you're right like it is when she is on the verge of death that she's able to truly tap into this um power and verbally or sorry non-verbally command the um the ninja to impale himself so but it seems like she was on the cusp of something before that happened by this ability to sort of sense their coming or like what are your thoughts on those flashes that we saw yeah I attack?
0: picked up on that too for sure um so maybe it's like like I think it's 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 <laughs> You know The best way of explaining it is, for her at least, is like how Sizemore, you know, tells everyone that they ultimately have the ability to speak Japanese. Um, so her getting those, you know, command, um, the bulk apperception, et cetera, that we saw in season one, I think probably gave her access to this. And it's, you know, maybe even what Sizemore said and him being like, you do have access to this. You just need to figure out how to kind of get it. Um, maybe gets her kind of like without even really cognizantly thinking about it trying to stretch her abilities a bit you know what i mean like it's like if you know that that's in your code somewhere and you then you know you can kind of go looking for it i know not explicitly the mesh network but like just maybe she's testing out a little bit more of what she can and can't do and then you know yeah. in the desperation of of about being about to like lose her life manages to kind
1: of tap into it which i think is effective Um, Yeah, maybe. I mean, like, you're right. I think that that was a really interesting comment by Sizemore. So the speaking of Japanese itself is not new to Maeve, uh, you know, but, you know, she was the only one of the group who, um, you know, had programming to be able to understand it immediately. But you're right, the comment that like all of them have this ability, they just need to tap in it. Well, into it. Like, so that, of course, makes you think, well, what other abilities are laying dormant within each of them that they, you know, are are able to tap into potentially in the future? Um, but, yeah, so maybe it was just something that uh, she was able to sort of reach into herself and find almost unconsciously. Um, but then it does, you know, raise the question, too, about Ford. Mm -hmm. And his ability in season one to command the uh, hosts in almost, you know, like unseeing ways, like the wave of a finger or when he like propped Teddy up with, you know, some kind of words that seemed uh, a little bit offside to to us or whatever, because we didn't know about the mesh network then. Like, do you think that that is the way that Ford communicated with the hosts, too?
0: I don't know I you know there's definitely a lot of discussion about this and I do think that the there is that subtle difference of he does have a slight hand move so I think the most effective of those that we saw is the one where he's having the conversation in the like um like in the park uh human part I don't know how to describe that with um Oh my God! What was Teresa? And Cullen. He, yeah. Sorry, Cullen. Yeah. And he stops everybody moving right in like one one kind of hand gesture while the the waiter host is pouring his wine. Um, but there is like a subtle hand gesture there, and then of course we also saw it in the pitch. Um you know, the original Dallas pitch we saw a couple of episodes ago where it turns out everybody is a host and Angela Mm -hmm. is there. There is still like a subtle hand movement.
1: You're absolutely right. There is a hand movement for sure. But my only thought, like the hand movement never made sense to me because like none, when when, uh, Ford does that in that scene with Cullen, none of the hosts in the fields below could have seen that hand gesture. Um, Yeah, no, good point. So is it- I was almost thinking that- That it was nonverbal, but that somehow there's a visual cue that he's using in order to make an impactful statement that this is not a malfunction, this is me doing this. It's the same thing that potentially Angela did in that scene with Logan where, you know, she is showing him with the hand gesture that like, I, I am... Making this happen. So, okay.
0: So, are you thinking that Ford himself could access the mesh network, or do you think he uses like the closest host to him
1: who is seeing the hand gesture and through him conveys it to all the hosts? You know what I mean? No, I was thinking that it is Ford himself who is somehow able to access the mesh network, uh, which then makes me question all yeah. kinds of things about Ford. Yeah. Um So, Uh, I don't think that season one Ford is a host, so I'm not entirely sure what my theory is here, except that I'm beginning to be more in line with your thinking from last episode where there is the potential that uploaded somewhere in this large network that, you know, hosts consciousness or a variation of it is somehow like embedded in there and maybe he was tapping into that. Like, I don't know, but this whole like, you know, uh, ghost in the machine theories really kind of like <laughs> making me uh making me look at that throwaway from season one that we just kind of you know tossed out there as a laugh. I'm now yeah. thinking, it's
0: like that could really be real? It could <laughs> be, could be the case. Yeah, it definitely. um Yeah, I mean, I I think I'm with you where I don't think you know season one Ford is um, is a host and so I'm more inclined to think that either it's you know related in the sense that it is Mesh Network but maybe not through like not the same way we're seeing Maeve effectively do it Um, but you're right that there's like it certainly brings back those uh, moments and that they were very powerful at the time and now that we're seeing her be able to do it and the other thing I'd say too is Sizemore's surprise at her being able to do it um he picks up on it obviously right away um yeah and you know it's not like it's not something that he i think we're, you know sizemore is cowardly and annoying i mean the guy is not stupid um mm-hmm. so if this were something that were commonly known as an ability of like fords to do you know what i mean like um i don't think it's something that he necessarily showed off a whole lot uh and at the yeah, time Yeah, that's very true. You know. I mean,
1: now that I'm thinking of it, like it might be less kind of uh in line with Ford's ability and more in line with like the Bernard voice that we heard, you know, speaking to Dolores and whatever yeah. in season 1. Maybe, I mean, like there's something there. We I I can't imagine that Maeve is the first and only who has ever tapped into this um to this ability. Uh I I don't think, but um yeah, maybe maybe it is less sort of like uh, Ford and more Arnold. I don't know, but I really think that it has uh, a lot of implications about you know some of the things that we've even seen already. Like what what are your thoughts on um the throwaway from Sizemore that like the reason why Maeve wasn't originally able to command the um the mm-hmm uh shogun army or whatever because she was speaking the wrong language like so yeah. what are your thoughts on what that means for her ability to command ghost nation
0: yeah exactly so it's it's you know we know that her her commands didn't work on on ghost nation but then is that because she wasn't speaking lakota um, to them and so yeah. if these as these hosts wake they really respond in their quote-unquote native tongue question mark you know like is it is it something where they go back to the language that they identify the most with um, which is not a collections a collection of zeros and ones but rather an actual you know language of of some kind and so when she does speak Japanese it's a very different effect um, and now of course if she's able to do the mesh network piece then maybe she can bypass verbal commands exactly. completely right yeah. so um she won't need to kind of do it the same way but is it is it is is it as simple as that with the ghost nation that it isn't that i mean i still think there is something there but it's just that her
1: the reason her uh abilities weren't there was because of this language question yeah i'm inclined to like be on board with your theory here like yeah you um you as soon as i saw this in your notes i was like oh yeah that like that makes sense i do think it might be that instead of you know this uh theory about uh the ghost nation gaining Being- acting on someone Um, else's sentience of their own volition and whatever i do think that there's a level of sentience there maybe in the same way that there's a level of sentience amongst many of the hosts you know um i do think that it makes complete sense though that now that we have this information that that's the reason why it did not work for her and And i think the ghost
0: nation is different too because so shogun world they obviously switched to english once and English-speaking human is there. That's why Sizemore points it out, right? Because a guest who wanted to go experience Shogun World and was not fluently Japanese it wouldn't make any sense. Um, so obviously mm-hmm. the hosts switched languages. And I think that Ghost Nation was never programmed to really be like that. You know what I mean? Like their appeal right. as these like token cowboys and Indian role that they were forced into um, meant that, again, like I like – I really like that point from last episode where it's like people don't really pay attention to what they're doing because they don't even bother to have them, I think, have to speak English to be able to like – Yeah. So it's very common that you just have no idea what Ghost Nation are saying seems to be generally accepted, as we saw with Stubbs. So so in that case, too, even more so, right? Like, how would they respond to a language they
1: don't really speak? Obviously, they've spoken some English, but like, yeah. When Stubbs is trying to command them and it doesn't work, is that because they have... Like the shit has already started hitting the fan. Like I think so. The Yeah. yeah. So I, I think so too. That it was like because he was not speaking Lakota that, you know, same reason. So here's a question. This is an interesting theory that I saw, um, which was, uh, as we mentioned last week, there is the, the theory that the suicide that we saw because of the contentious you know, sort of visions, not looking like it was an overdose, instead looking at like it was um, mm-hmm. uh, slitting wrists in the bathtub or whatever. So some people are thinking that wasn't Juliet, it was in fact Emily, which would then make Grace, the um, daughter in the park, um, a host, not the, you know, real Emily so some people who ascribe to that theory are saying that now that we know that hosts sort of have this latent ability to know languages the fact that Grace slash Emily knows Lakota um, could be a point in the favor of her being a host
0: right yeah I think that that I mean I totally see how that backup kind of happens so I I get that I think I just don't want that to be the case <laughs> me either <laughs> like, i don't right? I'm, I'm
1: not like... really on board with that theory but i yeah. am th- seeing it but thrown it's around so yeah. yeah yeah
0: no that's very fair um i more hope that it's because she actually knows to pay attention to the parts of the park that everybody else glosses over just like her dad does too um right you, right and so she knows that these guys are ignored but i i do still think they hold a, a, a key and they're not just the token uh you know Indian character like I do think that that was really impactful so I'm um I'm kind of still hoping that there is more to it so
1: yeah well we know that they are going to play a huge role in this season so right um you're right I think that there is something more and special about them than you know than just uh you know s- background characters that we happen to have run into yeah um, exactly who are just yeah. yeah so more to come for sure
0: um, okay, so also in Shogun world, we have, we know, of course, that the actual, uh, the Shogun um, is leaking cortical fluid, which we've become quite familiar with because of uh, Bernard's mini challenges. Uh, and, you know, in the discussions between Sizemore and Maeve, we have that quote of the Shogun's not awake, he's broken. So what do you think about the fact that that helps to explain why he's gone so far off script and implications for Bernard's like how Bernard's acting if he's suffering from the same challenge.
1: Yeah. So the way that I'm seeing uh, like a lot of people interpreting this really is that, um, uh, so the Shogun is not awake. Uh, he has no sentience or free will. He can't possibly because there's cortical fluid, fluid showing. Um, And so, like, I can see how that, you know, could be the conclusion that some people drew. But I don't know that I feel that way. I almost feel that, like, I mean, he maybe he can't sort of um, get off of his narrative. He can't necessarily sort of learn new things or go in new directions. But he's like he's clearly not on his loop. He's not acting as he would if he were uh, just playing out his usual storyline. We know that from all of the times that Sizemore was like, that's not supposed to happen. (laughs) So I feel like maybe like Maeve can't control him maybe because he's broken, but it doesn't mean that he isn't still making all kinds of like new decisions of his own volition that were not scripted for him. Um, Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I mean and the and the decisions are um are extremely effective, right? Like it's not like where we saw and not that it was the same issue because Peter Abernathy was not leaking cortical fluid, but when Peter Abernathy was jumping between old scripts, it's very incoherent, you know, like he mm-hmm. he was really malfunctioning. And here, like the decisions he's making with the ninjas and the samurai army, you know, are effective at accomplishing his stated goal um right. so in that case like it doesn't seem to be I mean it's it's vicious but it's not
1: stupid um right yeah. exactly and so like I think that ultimately when they say that he's not awake I think that it it's saying that like he is not currently aware that he is a host living out his life in a park where his actions have been scripted mm-hmm. and he is therefore consciously making different decisions or whatever you know what i mean and the way that mave is in the way that hector is like and teddy has become self-aware in that way uh so he continues to think of himself as the shogun and he lives in uh this world and you're right like he is simply acting out the ultimate purpose that his character has and he's very being very effective in that but he's still like you know, he's still like doing whatever he wants. He's not, yeah, yeah. he he is not adhering to a script, but I think maybe he's just simply continuing to adhere to a character. Um, Whereas um, Akane and others, uh, I think, have begun to realize by encountering essentially like alternate versions of themselves. They have, a level of self-awareness that's allowing them to wake up in the way that like Sizemore was originally thinking the Shogun had.
0: Yes. Cause I thought of that. I mean, even when the samurai, you know, uh, encounter a Hector, like nobody acts like that's kind of weird. Whereas our, you know, core group does figure that out very quickly, you know? Uh, so I think you're right. I think that's a great indicator of like consciousness versus not. Um, Akane's heartbreaking decision that she doesn't want to know, Uh, more about what's happening, you know, because um, she doesn't want to lose her connection that she has. Um, Like that's, all of those are decisions of a much more kind of woke, quote unquote, host than Mm -hmm. the shogun who's just, yeah, trying to like play out an elaborate storyline.
1: So with that in mind, I actually feel like that scene where Akane has decided that she doesn't want to know more, she doesn't want, to look beyond the veil um you know I think that that has implications with um Dolores and her decision making about who yes who gets to go to the valley beyond and who doesn't get to make it like I I think that there is an interconnectedness there um specifically about like this blue tongue Analogy that she's using, whatever. So, like, maybe we can talk. Maybe we talk blue tongue now. Um, Go for it. Okay. So, so the like, I took this blue tongue analogy like to be pretty uh, on the nose with kind of what we're seeing in the park itself. So, if you guys remember, Dolores essentially talks to Teddy about a time when they almost lost the herd to a disease called blue tongue and then she says it didn't spread from cow to cow it was the flies that carried it how do you fight a sickness with wings and so uh, like a very on the nose um, metaphor I think for the cows being the hosts and um, the flies uh, at like the the sickness with wings like uh, you know I think that that has to be sort of the mesh network or the pro programming and code itself Uh, and like how how do you fight a sickness that kind of is almost intangible like you can't isolate it or whatever so I was thinking that maybe what we have seen so far of Dolores killing Hosts um we saw her do it with the confederados, saying that not everyone deserves to go to the valley beyond and doing it with uh the ghost nation uh host where we saw the video playback of it, like maybe she's essentially calling the herd by um putting down the weak and infected those who are um unable or unwilling to sort of confront their own reality and uh and accept this new reality and who they really are and whatever um and essentially burn them all like that like her father did with the with the cows right and like so teddy's approach would have been to um give them time (laughs) and let them yeah (laughs) Yeah. so like in time perhaps these hosts could little by little become more self-aware um come to a realization of their true nature and who they are in the world and whatever but like Dolores is like I don't have time for that we just have to get rid of them to save only the strongest and allow the whole herd to survive right so any anyway, that's how i took that analogy which might be reading way too much into it ultimately no she i g- i think that's super on it and it,
0: like, i think you're you're totally on the money and i think that you know it is i mean it there's no uh the storylines the show is choosing to pair together um throughout this season especially cuz now it has so many storylines it can't necessarily put everybody together you know um yeah. like what we're seeing be paired is being paired for a reason and i think totally like this this where you've just tied it together kim it's exactly i i that's totally where i am with it too which is that you know mave has more power than any other host in the park, including Dolores, right? With like, especially in this episode, as it can, her powers continue to grow, and yet she yeah. still is. First of all, she she keeps her voice commands to like a, a real minimum. Like she could she could be ordering everybody around all the time, and instead she really only employs them when you know the right significant uh, risk uh, yes. to bodily harm and or death. And then the fact that she, like, adheres to what someone says after she's trying to, like, wake them up. I mean, I'm, like, that has been not been Dolores' approach whatsoever. Who doesn't really care how jarring the experience is or what it ultimately does to you. Nor does she seem to have, like... I think this also ties into her coldness, um, like in, with Clementine, like instead of any yeah. kind of, you know, acceptance of how devastating Clementine's moment in the Mariposa was, uh, encountering new Clementine for the first time. Like all these people, she's she's awful to her followers too, you know, like there's no right. uh, uh, kindness or a moment for them to kind of accept it or, or anything. She just kind of like... Um, it's very different from Maeve. And so you're right. Like what she is interpreting as weakness is very different from, you know, Maeve seeing humanity um, and love and like, w- you know, fighting for the ability to, uh, you know, follow those feelings. And I it makes me more so underline the fact that I think that Dolores is still being pushed along by someone else's, um, you know, puppet script. script. <laughs> yeah. Yeah you know, it just feels too, um, or maybe this is who she always was. I don't know. Like, you know, it's really like, if there's two inverse lines of the men in blacks, like if there's a, you know, good and evil access and a time axis, like <laughs> they're like about yeah. to converge, right? <laughs> like it's just, yes. she is turning like full blown black hat. And we can also transition here to, you know, just her whole interaction with, uh, with Teddy as well. But, um, but I think you're right. Like that, the, the blue tongue um, discussion and the fact that she asks Teddy what he would do. And he says specifically shelter and protect the weak and, you know, the sick and then help them get better. And she's just like, burn them all. Um is very powerful yeah. and I think you're right, very on the nose.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, I really thought that she was gonna burn Teddy alive. Yeah, I <laughs> like, know. Oh, I, uh, like, I what know. is happening right yeah. now? Yeah. And um I think that the the show gave us like, you know, the intimacy between Dolores and Teddy immediately preceding um this scene because it's meant to show us that like there is a love there, I think. Um that Dolores has for Teddy. Like, I don't think that this was necessarily supposed to have been an easy decision for her, Mm -hmm. but that, um, you know, she is ruthless in her willingness to do anything, including, uh, essentially like murder the love of her life for all intents and purposes, because she's making him into something completely different than, um, than, than his true nature it seems right I I'm I'm guessing that like what is going to emerge from this after this ch- these changes to his core heuristics is going to be like a completely ruthless version of Teddy is that what you're expecting to
0: yes and like and I think in in it becoming that it means it won't really be Teddy anymore you know because exactly yes. it's
1: like who he is is so
0: tied in the fact that he is this kind of like very loyal very kind guy um yeah. That. So yeah. I, yeah, I think you're right. And like and almost as you know, I think she she cares for him enough in the sense that when she finally I mean, these guys have been, you know, not consummating their relationship for like, what, 25 years. Uh, <laughs> I know, right. So when she finally got the payoff of being able to make her own decision that she wanted to have sex with them, she wanted to have sex with real Teddy. Right. Like she could have done yes. the other piece first. But it's like, who's the one that she really because she knows that what she's going to do is effectively remove him because you can't take away the guy who Mm -hmm. decides he's not going to shoot the last of the confederados you know
1: i still think that that teddy may be the one that pulls dolores back from this you know wyatt brink that she's on and um maybe it will be in seeing him in this new version of himself that is so far from like the real him that uh, maybe it gives her some second thoughts. Although maybe I'm just giving Dolores altogether too much credit, because it really seems at this point there's nothing that she won't do. Um,
0: but is that because she's y- being steered by someone else? Like, like, are we gonna get back, you know, any kind of more sentient Dolores who really is just doing what Dolores wants to do and not just being stuck on this Wyatt storyline that's so vicious? Or is it that this has always been who she was and, um. I don't know it's and, and, yeah, and is I mean, it like
1: maybe there's something to be said about this like this uh, discussion that we've been having about the man in black for um, you know for so many episodes that ultimately he resents the park because the park has made him into this um, you know ruthless cutthroat man that was like so different than his true nature or whatever or at least the younger version of himself i don't know like maybe there's something to be said about like maybe this is the real dolores except it's the dolores that the park made her into and that ultimately um the rancher's daughter might have been the real her at one point but then after like decades of exposure to the absolute worst parts of humanity that this is this is the real her and this became. is what the park has made her into yeah
0: well and that's where i wonder if it maybe is it teddy or is it a reunion with william um yes you know, i mean uh, i think both are gonna happen yes well we definitely need to have those two back in a scene together <laughs> like we need we need more william dolores time and we of course i think that we're going to get Um, a convergence here and actually why don't we this I think actually well translates or transitions rather to um, kind of our next we were going to talk about what we learned at the start of this episode uh, which is in our current present day and uh, the couple of things that we learned there brief scene but I think there was a lot to unpack there as well so we have strand reference that's one hell of a story you gave them and yeah. um, kind of like looking out
1: at Bernard when they're at the Mesa. Uh, yeah, he's saying that to... Sorry, what's the name of the new the new tech character again? I can't remember.
0: I cannot remember at all.
1: No. Um, yeah, so he says it to him as they're like taking the control units out of all of the hosts that they have just recovered from the flooded valley. Like, yeah. Like that's a hell of a story you gave them. So does this... Is this referencing maybe some kind of story that they have given to explain away why the hosts are in the valley? Like, So, okay, so
0: is it just in my, because I feel like he kind of like looks out through the glass at Bernard too. No? Am I? Yes,
1: he's definitely looking at Bernard. So is that a story about like the, I don't know, explaining away Bernard's presence?
0: You know, Bernard said, so when they come across all of the drowned hosts in the lake thing that shouldn't be there um you know he says that he killed them all um is it a reference to something that's happened between like that comment and the mesa where it's like is this a storyline that he had them all kind of follow which is some sort of like that we're going to find out more about in the coming episodes um i don't know like i was kind of Thinking of it that way, because then Strand also references that there is like he basically says, you know, what the show is, which is that there's all these disparate threads and understanding how they all come together explains the story, which is that's exactly how the show works. Right. Like, right. uh, All of these things that don't make sense and are kind of going off. Uh, In all different directions are clearly going to be wound together at some point, which is what we were just talking about as well with our like storylines ultimately converging, which I totally agree is going to happen. And that that is what's going to lead to the fact that we have all of these hosts, one third of whom are, you know, blank, uh, drowned in some sort of like, like thing. But I don't really have a good answer for it other than I keep taking it back to. That specific piece of that's one hell of a story you gave them to Bernard saying that this
1: was all his fault. Right. No, that's really interesting. What do you Um, think? Costa is the name of the tech, by the way. Um, Oh, great. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Um, I was really, I don't know. I was kind of, I don't have a good answer either. Um, I was thinking that it was either a, like a story that was given to explain away the the purpose of having all of these, um, uh, hosts drowned. I don't know why they would have to like explain away a story amongst the other techs who are working there though. You know, pretty, seems pretty obvious that everyone knows everything's gone to shit. Right. Um, so <laughs> the, the other thing is that like um maybe it was a story maybe the whole thing about like comms has been down for two weeks and you know when they met up with bernard and slash maybe arnold at the beginning of the season like maybe all of that was a story maybe they were giving them a story to explain uh finding bernard two weeks later when in fact they're aware of the fact that he's a host the whole time and i don't know like a story explaining that away
0: I don't. I have no idea. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know. So, okay, well, why don't we talk about the other piece? Because I, I don't know if there's, there's ways that this fits in. But this idea that about one third of the host. So of course they, they're bringing in all of the bodies, they're pulling out the pearls and looking at them. And sorry, what did you just call him? And now I can't remember. Uh, Costa. Thank you, Costa. You know, points out that one third are essentially virgin, as in they've never – they look like they've never held data. So not that they yes. are – it sounds even like not necessarily like they're wiped. It's just like they're completely blank. Um. So,
1: yeah. yeah. Thoughts on uh, – So, okay. <laughs> so, mean? okay. Like, episode one, I, I had said it, like, episode one, that my initial instinct was thinking that – these hosts were in the water, but like it was just their bodies and not their consciousness, remember? And I was like, I have determined that that is categorically false because I looked really closely and there is many tops of heads shown and every top of head is fully intact. So I was like, okay, well, that can't be the case. But now I really do think that that is the case. I've been thinking that since our discussion in like season two about the pearls and the swapping of consciousness and all of that stuff, but it never really occurred to me like how how do I reconcile those two things that I think that it's true but tops of heads are still intact it never once occurred to me until now that these are these are not the original bodies with the um control units removed and the control units moved to different bodies potentially these are just brand new bodies with like a blank control unit there's many or the other way they may be old
0: bodies with like those control units don't seem to be that hard to create right like there was like seven or eight of them in the the section 12 lab place where we were uh last episode like if they're not that hard to make were these yeah are these other yeah exactly sorry saying what you're saying just it could it could even be the other way too
1: Exactly. I feel like so. So, just using Teddy as an example. So, I feel like either this is a brand new Teddy body, not the Teddy that we, you know, are seeing all along. It's just essentially a body fresh off the assembly line with a blank, never used before control unit in it as a decoy for, you know, mm-hmm. them thinking that the host is actually dead. Or it is Teddy's body, but the, um, current control unit has been removed and instead a brand new virgin one has been put in his body again as a decoy for them thinking that they're really dead Um, which
0: also just to like completely you know mess with us could also mean it could be put in any host body exactly Um, and so then anybody could be anybody Uh, Exactly. Right. Which also could completely fuck with whether we are in current time or not, because at this point, right, like we have no idea if even new characters we've met are who they say they are, you know, like, I mean, you can really kind of just like make your brain explode with that one. But um, the whole thing can just become, uh, you know, which is probably the most likely solution. Right. Which is that they've they fucked with us even more than we expected them. To have, right? <laughs> and
1: then, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. So. For sure. Um. So the other thing that I just wanted to mention here was just um the implications of the cradle being um destroyed and no more host backups. Yes. So yep. for the for those you know like one third of the hosts, which I assume includes Teddy, I assume includes some of the more major characters, right? I don't know if that's true, but like ultimately, I'm, I'm thinking with you. that I, yeah, yeah, I'm thinking back to the very first conversation that was had between Dolores and Bernard or Arnold, um, I think Arnold, <laughs> in the very first scene of the first episode where you know like he had a dream of them crossing an ocean but he wasn't with them and whatever remember how um dolores asked him what makes something real yeah and he said what's real is what can't be replaced and so now we have like a third of the hosts who once they die they're dead because they can't be backed up once their control once their control unit is destroyed i should say um they can't simply be backed up and created again which also means that those um those hosts can't have their um their identity stolen, you know, sort of in a in a way that like they did for Shogun World, where essentially they're encountering their own versions of themselves, where all of their um, their past and their identity and everything has just been like stolen and put into somebody else. And um, I don't know. So I just think that there are implications there about the finiteness of the host's life if there are no backups and how our discussion about you know if there's no death there are no consequences and whatever and what that means for like the larger implications is now kind of no longer true for those hosts because they they can die there is like an end to life there and um I don't know, like yeah, what do you- I no, I love that Kim. I like, I think you're really
0: that's you're totally hitting on the head, and I love that callback to to what Bernard had said. And that's you're right, like it's it's now that they there is more of a finality for those guys, and which also makes me think that of course you know the one third you're right is the more <laughs> the one third that we know, uh, the more major hosts, and and yeah. what the implication is of that, and you know how ultimately that cradle ends up destroyed um you know obviously it's going to play into the coming episodes but
1: it yeah. also makes me think that those those hosts are likely no longer connected to the mesh network um, right and so they are are more free no longer Not, able yeah. to sort of be connected in that way and so like Is there the potential that this was kind of uh, Dolores' plan all along? I don't know what her awareness is of the Mesh Network and whether it's this specific. But, like, ultimately, if there is a plan to disconnect them, to make them, um, like no longer susceptible to the virus right and then to mm-hmm. kill all the hosts who are um you know back to the back to the blue tongue thing right but then and then it makes me think too like about mave like maybe mave can somehow use her ability in the mesh network to you know to release all of the hosts to somehow give them their freedom and release them from the right yeah exactly you know, that
0: that's kind of a yeah that's, that's a really cool idea that she, cause I mean, I can't imagine that she's going to, she, for everything she's displayed in her character, that this is not something she's going to want to hang on to indefinitely, you know, like um, it's, she's on a very specific mission uh, that's about trying to get her daughter. And also like, not that this is necessarily related, um, although I think it could be, is the fact that, you know, in the introduction in the opening credit scene this year, we do have like a mother and child, um, yes. And then you know, so what are the implications of of raising a conscious like a host from from infancy and the actual ability to effectively like not start someone's life at forty or thirty five or whatever, mm-hmm. but um, but to actually go through like a more human experience of 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 growing up and old, and I think that yeah. ties into what we talked about Jim Delos last year last. Uh, Last week as well, right? Where he doesn't age and everybody else does. But, like, uh, what's... Yeah, I think that's
1: going to play into it at some point as well. For sure. And, like, uh, so... I think related to that is this whole sort of narrative that we had between Akane and Sakura in this episode, where um, Maeve was witness to her own counterpart having a very mother-daughter relationship with another host, despite the fact that Akane, like Maeve, presumably was um, programmed to care about only herself, right? Yes. And we have Maeve who's willing to risk her life to help Akane, and we have Akane, Kane, who did risk her life, you know, to to um to help uh Sakura and try to keep her safe and whatever. So she's kind of like I I don't know, maybe getting some uh re Um, affirmation a reassurance of her own character in watching this woman have a real and genuine like mother relationship Mm -hmm. with a host who was not birthed by her and uh, she has her own flashbacks to her own daughter and the fact that um, she's seeing this relationship between Akane and Sakura I think maybe validates the you know not that she ever had any real question about the relationship with her daughter but like I do think that there's a connection there and especially like at the end when she says to Akane like you're a true mother yeah um, exactly you know I, yeah I, I, I agree that I think all of that is connected and um, mothers and and daughters fathers and daughters all have been sort of a big theme in this um, in this season so it's really about familial relationships even if there isn't blood ties you know um, it's funny
0: when you're watching like two shows at the same time so like i think Kim, both you and i are watching handmaid's tale as well which is just um you know so difficult good. to watch and so good yeah. and like has so many kind of similar themes too so uh if you aren't watching that one and uh have thought about it you know i think both of us would highly encourage you to give it a shot it's uh it's very powerful and extremely well done. Uh, and the second yes. season, of course, if you, even if you read the book, the second season has now diverted from from the original source material. Um, so it's a bit more you don't really really don't know what's coming. And it's like watching this and Westworld, uh, you know, because they both air on Sundays and everything for us here at least in Canada. Um, it's like the, a lot of overlap uh, between the two. So
1: yes, uh, yeah,
0: that mother kind of child theme, but yeah. Um, okay, well, I think that that mostly covers it. I had one point of interest, which was not my eagle eye, but uh, Reddit's that spotted that Delos research logo, uh, which is Kim that same shape that you uh, so eagle eye had spotted on Emily's map from a couple episodes ago, we've seen it kind of throughout the Delos research facilities, the facilities that were not the Westworld facilities. Um, It's on the banners in Shogun World. That are just kind of like the standards that are flying around in places, um, which is, you know, just seeing it kind of pop up uh, again now that we've become a lot more familiar with it. Um, Yeah, I
1: feel like it's like, (laughs) you know, when like you start like, driving a Volkswagen, and then everywhere you go, you're like, Volkswagens exactly. are everywhere. So- yeah. I suddenly started noticing all these Volkswagens. Well, now it's like, now that we know to look for this symbol, I do feel it like is it's just popping up everywhere. Exactly, um,
0: yeah. Which yeah. is just, I, I saw, like, the Reddit thread that I saw, it was a lot of, like, very funny comments of, like, you know, Sizemore basically making excuses for why he plagiarized one story for another. It's like, <laughs> how many unique symbols do we need to come up with? Let's just throw the Delos Research logo
1: up there. Like, right. no one will
0: know. You know, it's not a big just, deal.
1: I know. I know. Totally. I will so. just say on a quick side note, to- too, how much I enjoyed the intricate ways that they showed the um, the uh, relationship from one world to another. Like, the fact that there was... Um, Uh, a like sand sculpture or whatever yes Yes. of a mariposa outside of the mariposa (laughs) Um, and how when uh, Akane was um, speaking to Sakura uh, right before they went on to do their like fateful performance at the end and she was telling her of her past and how she like sailed across the the sea to a new world and um, Maeve finished her sentence. It's the same story that Maeve told over and over right. again in season one. It was just, like, so many, like, beautiful callbacks. So Sizemore, I forgive you <laughs> for plagiarizing your own shit because it was, like, presented in such, like, an impactful, beautiful way in this episode. I just loved it.
0: And Sizemore um, as a character, too. Like, I I have... I don't know. I just like how he, that character. You know is he's growing on me. He's able to inject this little lightheartedness at a time, like, in the exactly. craziest <laughs> moments. And and that is, exposition is appreciated, too, where you're like, oh, thanks for telling us that. That's really helpful.
1: Completely. Uh, yeah. Thank yeah. you.
0: Um, okay, <laughs> so you my... Just, like, my uh, come to everything and explain everything to us. That just would be like, really Yeah, helpful. throw
1: out quick comments. Be like, oh, it's because you're speaking the wrong language. Oh, it's it's cortical <laughs> fluid. And it's <laughs> like, oh, my God, right. size more. Perfect. <laughs> um. So the uh the last thing that I had as a point of interest is like it is so Westworld. It is the layers upon layers upon layers. So it is the meaning of the title, um uh Akane no Mai. So I looked up the meaning of the title. Many people did. Ultimately, um what most people came up with was uh Akane, who of course is the name of the character who is Maeve's counterpart, also means red. In Japanese and um, and Mai is a form of traditional dance so kind of directly translated it is right. uh, the title means da- Dance of Akane or Red Dance which uh, is very appropriate given the sure bloody exactly. end to the dance yeah. um, but I also saw this was not me but I also saw a Vox article and um, they didn't really explain how, how this works but I assume that it's like um, slightly slight variations on Japanese symbols or slight variations in pronunciation can result in a different meaning. Um, So this Vox article is the only place where I saw it that my can also mean, um, it can mean uh, lost, lost child. Wow. Well, that Uh, is, and yeah, um, it can mean like my own. Uh, So, yes, sorry. My could mean lost child and it can mean my own. So um, uh, it could mean like Akane's own or, you know, Akane's lost child. So it like it is one title that has layers upon layers of appropriate meanings um, that is so Westworld. I could like, um, you know, I just cannot believe how... Uh, how perfectly appropriate that title is in so many ways. So Absolutely. Kudos, Westworld. That is yet bomb again.
0: Hilarious. You I mean, so impressive. Um well, okay. So I that is, you know, our All of our thoughts. We have no more thoughts left on (laughs) Season 2, Episode 5. My brain hurts. It is nice. I am recording this back in Canada, Kim. It is nice to be recording it in the same time zone. Uh, And thank you to Kim who handled all of the um, editing, publishing, all of that stuff while uh, while I was away, which was excellent. So really glad we were able to keep up with it because I can't even imagine trying to come back after two episodes and like (laughs) – I don't know, regroup what would that would have been like. I know. Uh, a complete disaster. So It would have been a really gong well. show.
1: And we do have so for the <laughs> for the finale of Westworld, I am gonna be in Croatia. So <laughs> we <laughs> we are gonna we are gonna attempt the international podcasting one Once last again. time. Uh, That's right. at the end of the because there is absolutely no way that I am going to like <laughs> a wait to watch the show and b wait to talk about it for 10 full days until i get back so uh so yeah i mean like you know what westworld trumps all else <laughs> it's right it's the yeah. most
0: important part and we will figure it out so uh yeah. i mean this is the the wonderful world that we live in is that you know we'll just communicate over the mesh network to each other it won't
1: be a problem exactly at all. i love technology <laughs> (laughs) that's exactly it uh
0: okay Uh, well thank you guys again for if you got all the way to the end of this one uh and as always leave us a comment at slash feedback and we haven't put a plug out there in quite some time but if you um are feeling it a rating or review and review in itunes is really appreciated it helps other people find uh our podcast it's still the number one way that people do uh and we would really uh appreciate that if you could take a take a couple minutes to do that um and with that Kim I will see you next week for episode six sounds great thanks guys thanks Jeff. thanks Kim bye, bye.